Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And we are live. Aloha and welcome to the Audio Description Project's presentation on audio description in the out of doors. I'm JoLynn Bailey-Page. I'm the Audio Description Project Coordinator for the American Council of the Blind. And I'm joined by Clark Rockfall, our Director of Advocacy. We'll be your co-moderators for this session. And welcome and aloha to our panelists from Hawaii, Nebraska, and the Washington, D.C. area. Okay, for those of you doing CEU, it is 38685 for the opening code. And I know both Clark and I, and Clark is on the other side of the wall. We're both here at ACB National in Alexandria. We have been so privileged to work with all three of our panelists tonight, Michelle, Brett, and Holly, um, as ACB has partnered with um, the Unit Description Project and with the National Park Service in the last five years. But that is really their story to tell. And it's, it's a wonderful one full of creativity and vision and some moxie and hope and a little tool called the Unity app. So um, I'd like to do the introductions first so that their story will flow more. And um, so here we go. But today's session is devoted to audio description in the out of doors. It features our National Park Service's work that brings audio description and increased access into park settings. And they'll highlight the collaboration with the NPS between the National Park Service and the Unit Description Project to use the Unity app in United States and Canadian parks. So our panelists are Dr. Brett Oppegaard, He's the associate professor in school in the School of Communications at the University of Hawaii at Manoa and the principal investigator of the Unit Description Project. Brett has been studying audio description in relation to mobile technologies and loc locative media since joining the University of Hawaii in 2014. In the past five years, he's worked with fellow University of Hawaii researchers and graduate students. ACB staff and volunteers and community partners throughout the country at U.S. National Park Service sites. He's refined and developed systems of audio description to help make public attractions more accessible to people who are blind or have low vision. In recognition of his work with the description project, in 2019, Dr. Opgard was awarded the Dr. Margaret Fanstiel Audio Description Achievement Award for Research and Development from the American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project. Next, we have Michelle Hartley, and she is the Media Accessibility Coordinator at the Harpers Ferry Center National Park Service in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Michelle began working for the Harpers Ferry Center in 2000, and originally she focused on multimedia and video production, and then became the acting Dep deputy associate manager of the center's audiovisual group in January of 2009. And then in the fall of 2010, she accepted the newly created media accessibility coordinator position at the Harpers Ferry Center and now provides technical assistance, outreach, training, and resources to staff and parks. Holly Griesemer is the management program analyst for the National Park Service Midwest region, which is based in Omaha, Nebraska. 
note to everybody, where is our conference and convention next year? And uh, we have plans, big plans for you, Holly. Um, she started out as a student in the safety program, in the safety program, and then joined the concessions program when she graduated, and now serves in two programs, the Rivers, Trails, and Conservation Assistance Program and the Accessibility Program. She's passionate about making the national parks in our communities more accessible and creating local outdoor recreation and conservation opportunities for all. And coming full circle here to the Alexandria office, Clark Rockfall is ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. He joined us in February of 2019. Clark oversees ACB's legislative and regulatory agendas, as well as our grassroots and individual advocacy efforts. Prior to joining ACB, Clark served in public policy positions for National Institutes for the Blind and Verizon Communications. In addition to his policy background, uh, Clark is a Paralympian and world champion in the, support of, in the sport of tandem cycling. When not at work, you may find Clark most likely either on the trail or on water with his wife, Greta, and their two dogs, Summit and Cricket. Well, thank you so much, Jolyn. Thank you for having me here with you this evening and letting me co-pilot this session with you. I remember, it, geez, it was just a few months into my time with ACB when I joined ACB in, in 2019 that, Jolyn, you introduced me to the Unity Project. Uh, we joined Professor Brett Opegard and Michelle Hartley on a trip to the National Park Services uh, Historical Center at Harper's Ferry in West Virginia. And that was, again, that was my first exposure to Unity. That was my first exposure to the great work that ACB is doing to make the outdoors and our national treasures, our national parks more accessible and more inviting for people who are blind and visually impaired. Um, so I'm excited to be a part of this panel. I will be sharing more later, but right now I'd like to turn it over to Michelle Hartley to give us more background on how this partnership and collaboration began. Great. Thank you so much. Um, hello, everyone. And I want to extend my sincere appreciation to JoLynn and Clark and also to Brett and Holly and of course to ACB for inviting me to your annual convention to talk about this project at the National Park Service and Dr. Opergaard and the University of Hawaii have been working on now since uh, 2014. So the project is called Uni Description. For short, we call it UniD. And it has multiple aims. One of the most immediate ones is to create resources, tools, guidance, and workshop environments to help national parks write and complete audio described versions of each park's brochure. Um, visitors typically get one of these brochures when they visit a park. It's a two-sided foldable print brochure uh, that's a snapshot of the park. It provides information through text and images, photographs, illustrations, and a map that explains what makes the park special and what services and amenities are available to the park visitor while they're at their visit. 
Um, our aim is also um, to create brochures, not just for the park, but it park service, but it has extended itself over the past few years, largely through Brett's efforts um, to other land management agencies, such as Fish and Wildlife Service, as well as internationally, the Parks Canada and uh, coming soon um, to Parks UK. So we're excited that that description is being written, of course, for the National Park Service, but also um, for these other land management agencies. Um, to date, we are just shy of 140 audio-described park brochures that are available for anyone to access at any time. You can use it as a planning tool. You could um, use these audio-described brochures while you're at the park. You can refer back to them afterwards. They are available um, for free uh, by downloading the Uni Description app, which is available on both iOS and Android platforms. So another really important aim for us is to build community and challenge people to think creatively, to have fun, and to fold audio description into their regular work processes. We've trained hundreds of staff and volunteers to write description, which we do during our virtual workshops that we call Descriptathons. And we're on our eighth workshop coming up in the fall, so stay tuned for that. Um, workshop participants are placed on teams, brochure teams, to describe a park brochure. And during the workshops, which occur over a three-day period, we have guest speakers, we have dialogue amongst the large groups, amongst the small groups, we do some training. And a part of this uh, experience is also doing some friendly exercises and competitions between teams um, to help everyone learn more about how to write description. For us, though, building the community is not just about um, building the community among audio describers and the people who are writing description. It's about building community with people who use the description. So um, as Jolena pointed out, um, ACB has been involved in these efforts now for about five years. Um, and the Unity Project and Brett at the university has created this incredible, um, strong and growing relationship with ACB community members at the national level, at the regional level, and at the local level with their chapters. Um, we've worked with folks such as Clark and Joe Lynn and Dan Spoon to um, plan our descriptathons and to recruit and foster relationships with ACB members um, who participate with us and we work side by side with in our virtual descriptathon workshops. We consider uh, ACB's participation as co-collaborators and consultants working with other participants to not only write descriptions, um, but provide feedback and consultation to ensure that descriptions are effective and meaningful. Um, and speaking of that, 
Um, the last aim that I'll focus on is um, research. Um, so um, we want to ensure that what we're doing um, is working and that we're on the right path. There are so many outstanding questions around how to audio describe things. Everything from how, when, or if we describe gender and ethnicity and how we organize descriptions so that people less interested in a particular visual can opt out once they've gotten the basic gist of the image and how others who are very interested in the details can stick around for an extended description. Um, we're also looking at things, um, whether it's good, bad, or, or people are indifferent to users' um, excuse me, whether our users are, feel like it's okay, not okay, or are indifferent to artistic embellishments within professionally recorded description, such as including music or sound effects. It's all on the table because these are the questions that we get asked when um, people want to provide audio description. We don't claim um, to have definitive answers because audio description is still evolving. But um, we want to make sure that we are guiding people responsibly when we attempt to answer their questions. And UNED is doing that by building a body of work through our described brochures that can be analyzed, that Brett and his research team are analyzing to indicate trends and preferences. And I'm going to pass this over to Brett to talk to you now about one area of investigation that he and his research team are in the midst of. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Aloha, everyone. It's a great pleasure to be at this conference again. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for Omaha next year. And uh, a great thrill to read several familiar names in the audience. I've looked at the participants. So I have to give a quick shout out to some of my longtime Unity collaborators. Debbie Armstrong, Doug Powell, Kim Charlson, Renee Harrington-Johnson, Pat Sheehan, Robin Hughes. Sorry if I missed anyone. I just took a quick glance at the list, but wanted to recognize all those people. Um, inside my, I have a horizontal zoom rectangle here, so I'm shown from the shoulders up. I'm a 50-year-old American man of Western European and Norwegian family origins. I have blue eyes, pinkish tan skin, and no facial hair. My dark brown hair shaved short on the sides, but kept long on the top, showing a little bit of waviness to it. I'm wearing an aqua blue short sleeve shirt with a collar today and glasses that have a clear rectangular frame. Um, as the principal investigator of the unit description project, uh, you may have heard of this before, and we have the links to the site uh, available at unidescription.org. So if you have any other kind of questions or anything, um, definitely check that out. But um, we're working on a, a research initiative uh, in partnership with the ACB, the MPS, and a variety of other organizations trying to make audio description better worldwide. Um, we offer grant-funded annual workshops, which are free to participants, uh, including the people I mentioned above who were, um, you know, have been heavily involved in description for a, for a long time. But uh, I'll talk about the descriptive Descriptathons later, I want to get kind of right to the, the cool new research we're working on. Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple of them, and I'm going to play a couple clips um, just so you can hear some of this description and let me know what you think of it. Uh, the first 
project I want to talk about is funded by the National Endowment for the Humanities. And as part of a year we're spending investigating portrait description. Uh, if you read much about portraits, they're called um, a window to a person's soul. So we naturally have wondered what is the audio description equivalent of a portrait? and How do we describe portraiture? Uh, so our first round of analysis um, has been of the self-portraits that we've received during our descriptathons. Again, I'll describe what a descriptathon is in a little bit, but um, basically participants will submit a portrait image and describe that image, sort of like what I did earlier uh, just a few seconds ago. And then we study what those descriptions say and how they say it. So the first stage of this research has been primarily focused on how gender is expressed in descriptions. We have a variety of other um, initiatives uh, toward other parts of, de of the portrait description, including how do you describe age, how do you describe ethnicity, how do you describe all sorts of things. But this uh, particular phase that we just finished was on expressing, expressing gender. And in it, we found four particular ways that a gender was expressed in the descriptions that we studied, and those were through gendered names, uh, like Clark is likely a male name, and Michelle's likely a female name, gendered nouns such as man or woman, uh, gendered pronouns, he, she, they, and gendered descriptor, descriptors such as bearded or holding a purse. And these are uh, details that help express gender, but don't necessarily define gender. I'm working on a paper on this. It's in process, but I just want to let you know that we're trying to build some better guidelines along those lines and in, in developing portrait description. The second research uh, initiative I'd like to talk about today was funded by the National Endowment for the Arts, and it's essentially an exploration of the acoustic aesthetics of audio description. And what I mean by that is how do we value the performance of audio description and the impacts of human voice and the different types of machine voices that people use and speed and that sort of thing. So for this project, we had a brochure that we were working on at the Goldsworthy Walk in the Presidio. Um, so the Presidio is in San Francisco. It's kind of this large, I don't think a national park per se, but it's part of the park service and there's a whole bunch of different aspects to it. But, but there's a walk in this in this park that includes four large-scale pieces of public art by Andy Goldsworthy. So we call this the Goldsworthy Walk. And there's a brochure on the Goldsworthy Walk um, that we've spent some time describing. And what I'm going to do is play um, some of our experiments and let you listen to what we have. The first piece I'll play is what originally came with the brochure. So I'll do that. And you can hear there's nothing there because there was no description at first and there was no audio version of it. And what we said, okay, that is not helpful to anybody, right? So now we're going to say, well, what can we do? I'm going to share my screen now. Um, so I'm just allowing Zoom to show my desktop. As a part of one of our descriptathons, uh, we had a team from uh, the Presidio area in San Francisco work on description of one of these pieces of art called the spire. And they wrote a description of a photograph of the spire. And it's a large towering type piece. I'm just going to play a little bit of that so you can hear 
kind of the standard version. Somebody let me know if this isn't coming through. Images and text spire. Image one of two. The spire at sunset description. Pictured is a rectangular colored landscape photograph of Andy Goldsworth's spire. On the top of the image is a hint of the rising sun, splattering reds and oranges across the clouds in the blue sky. Just right of center in the image is spire. Spire is a sculpture constructed using tree trunks and forms a 100-foot-tall, sharply pointed cone structure. The very top of spire ends with a single tree trunk reaching towards the sky. Its enormity looms over the much shorter okay, trees so and surrounding forest below. First uh, description and the first expression of the description. It's just partial, by the way. So if you want to hear the entire description of uh, the Goldsworthy Walk, you can download our free mobile apps on your app store by typing in unit description, UNI description. You put that all into one word and put that into your, your app store. You can download the free app and just search on there for Goldsworthy and you can hear all these different um, tests that I'm playing today. So the first one is this open source voice we've been working with for quite a while. We're not real happy with the voice. In fact, I don't think I've had a single member of ACB say they like that voice, but we use it for now for various reasons. And we also have access to other types of things. So I'm going to play that same piece of description using the Alexa voice. So you can hear the difference there. Images and text spire. Image one of two, the spire at sunset. Description, pictured is a rectangular colored landscape photograph of Andy Goldsworthy's spire. On the top of the image is a hint of a rising sun, splattering reds and oranges across the clouds in the blue sky. Just right of center in the image is spire. Spire is a sculpture constructed using tree trunks and forms a 100-foot tall, sharply pointed cone structure. The very top of spire ends with a single tree trunk reaching towards the sky. Okay, so with looms that, over the much shorter trees um, and surrounding the same text below. there, Image two we applied a different voice. And we also make the text available, so anyone using our apps can use their own screen reader, their own voice, their own speed. But you probably can hear a difference there. Now I'm going to play our third test of the same piece of description. This is where we hired a performer to read the text. Images and text. Spire. Image one of two. The spire at sunset. Description. Pictured is a rectangular colored landscape photograph of Andy Goldsworthy's spire. On the top of the image is a hint of a rising sun, splattering reds and oranges across the clouds in a blue sky. Just right of the center in the image is spire. Spire is a sculpture constructed using tree trunks and forms a 100-foot-tall, sharply-pointed cone structure. The very top of Spire ends with a single tree trunk reaching towards the sky. Okay, so it's those are all over um, the much expressions of the text and written by the below. team uh, at the Presidio describing a particular photograph of this piece of art. And for the National Endowment for the Arts part of this, the, the grant funding allowed us to bring in a team of sound artists. That's Andy Graydon, Ernst Carell, and Eden Germa. And they took this same brochure and then they interpreted it a little bit differently. Actually, I should say a lot differently. And this is where our experiments trying to 
get to the core of what's happening here in terms of what's being said, how it's being said. And then uh, in this case, we're adding uh, sound effects and a more um, active performance. So I'll play a little bit of this one and let me know what you think of it. First came Spire in 2008, installed on the hill across from Inspiration Point. Completed in 2008, Spire looks just like its name. It's a tall spire made from 37 Monterey Cypress tree trunks, carefully fastened together and twisting up and up, almost 100 feet in the air and 15 feet in diameter at the base. That sounds big, but how can we get the full sense of the scale of Spire? Okay, let's try something. Lift your arms over your head. Reach as high as you can. Feel the air on your fingers. Now, take a deep breath. Close your eyes. Imagine the trees stretching up together, just like your body, but 15 times higher than your fingertips. At the very top, these are the fingertips of the trees. They're feeling the wind. Imagine that space above us, that huge openness. Now, reach up with your listening, up into the air. Use your mind's ear. Okay, so um, those were some different takes on the same What's basic like job. This? How do you how do you describe? A I know piece we're of just listening to the imagination, but still, experience to what the brochure uh, gives a person when they visit the place. And so, again, if you want it, uh, hopefully um, one of those versions or all those versions intrigued you. And if you want to hear them in full, you can listen to them now on uh, the app in our tests. Um, also, we're looking for people to do formal tests of this description to give us feedback. If you want to uh, send me an email at my name, brett.opagard at hawaii.edu or contact me through ACB and let, uh, let me know you're interested in helping out with this project. We would love to have you. And in addition, the Descriptathon workshop, the next one's coming up in October. October 26th through 28th. Uh, several of you are already participating, but I want to make sure everybody knows you're welcome. If you want to participate, you would let us know and you would be put into a team at, at one of the 16 National Park Fish and Wildlife, Parks Canada, Parks UK uh, teams, and um, you'd be able to help co-create description that will then be shared with the public through these mobile apps. And I guess the biggest uh, part of all this, we're doing research, we're making description, and we're really trying to serve as a place that builds this audio description community and, and um, helps people do better audio description. And through these different um, products that we create and different workshops we have, we want to we um, support this whole larger system of, of audio description in, in the field. And, like this conference is doing and hopefully you'll get involved. So let us know if you're interested and that will be wrapping up my part. And after Lynn, I'm not sure, I guess it goes back to Michelle. Yes. 
So thank you, Brett, for that. And I hope that gives uh, you, uh, those of you who haven't been involved in our descriptathon work, um, a, a flavor of some of the research we're doing. I, I really appreciate being reminded all the time of the disability rights movement mantra, nothing about us without us and how important that is um, and how critical your feedback and guidance um, is to ensure that we're communicating effectively. I love the National Park Service system and I want everyone to have an opportunity to engage with and fall in love with our parks too. And we can't expect you to do that if uh, we haven't created description um, that is effective. If we've created something that's distracting or out of sync with your expectations, we need to write that course. Um, so that's what we're trying to do um, with these kinds of tests. Um, and um, Brett's constantly got a long list of questions that he is he's constantly investigating. Um, and with your feedback, um, I think we're we're on the right course. Um, and part of this particular project, I think, is of interest. Um, to me, um, what he just played for you, because we want to not only provide access to information, but also um, the opportunity for people to access experiences. Um, that's why we create media. So again, investigating how do we how do we pull people in? Um, is it through which which options pull people in that Brett just played? All of them, two of them, three of them? Does it just depend on personal preference? That's what we want to find out. So this type of work and training doesn't just happen in UNED. It happens across other areas of the service. And we're so thrilled that our planning team includes people like Holly, who is involved in coordinating trainings and outreach with parks and stakeholders um, under her own region's purview. So I'm going to pass it over to Holly to share her work at the regional level. Thanks, Michelle. This is Holly Griesmer. I'm very happy to be here with you all today. I'm very thrilled that you all are coming to Omaha next year for the convention. That'll be so great to have the opportunity to meet you all. And I'd be happy to play tour guide or you can reach out to me with any, um, you know, travel tips and suggestions. That'll be a really great connection I'm looking forward to. Um, so, um, in the Park Service, I wear two different hats. Um, the, one of them is working for the Regional Accessibility Program. And um, about 15, not 15 years ago, in 2015, uh, the National Park Service rolled out a plan that was called All In. And that's when I got involved in the Accessibility Program. And the three main goals of that plan was to create a welcoming environment, to not create any more barriers to accessibility and then to identify existing barriers and how we can overcome them. And so at that time, um, the accessibility program in our region, and we work with uh, 13 states from North Dakota down to Arkansas, and we also cover the Great Lakes. So that's about 60 parks. And um, so I started working with them and we've um, been doing self-evaluation and transition plans that we go out and visit the parks and identify those barriers. And when that 
process first started, they were very heavy on like following the physical standards or following the ABA standards. And over time, we're getting better at also including programmatic accessibility solutions for our parks. And then most recently, I've gotten the privilege to work with Michelle and Brett and JoLynn on the planning team. And I was involved for the Descriptathon 7. And that was a great connection working with ACB. And that led to a new agreement that we're working on. And it should be awarded here in about a month or so. But that agreement is to collaborate um, with the National Park Service and ACB um, for for the Park Service and ACB to work substantially together for the public purpose of um, increasing access for people who are blind or have low vision. And so that's a really exciting agreement that we're um, we're really close to finishing up and um, have lots to look forward to, including working together on the self-evaluation and transition plans, uh, working together on future descriptathons, and then also working together with the other hat that I wear, which is the Rivers, Trails, and Conservation Assistance Program. And that program is the external branch of the National Park Service. And uh, so we don't just care about our national parks. We care about your parks. We care about close to home recreation for all Americans. And so that ties together nicely with your recent initiative about to get up and get outdoors. Um, And so we have other initiatives such as Healthy Parks, Healthy People. We have initiatives called um, the Park Prescription Program um, instead of... um, physicians prescribing medications, they're prescribing, um, you know, getting outside and taking a walk. And so we're really looking forward to that collaboration. And then if you have um, project ideas that you would want to collaborate with, uh, the acronym is RTCA. Um, We take applications every year um, and this upcoming year, they're due March 1st. So if you have an idea for for a community recreation or conservation assistance project, you can reach out to us and put in an application to work with us. So another part of the agreement that we're working on um, is um, a National Park Service career workshop. And so we are going to highlight the opportunities, the different um, divisions in the National Park Service, the different career opportunities, and then also highlight um, the process of how we um, how we announce our positions and then um, kind of best recommendations for, um, you know, submitting your resume in that process. And that'll be a collaboration with our relevant relevancy, um, diversity and inclusion office. And so um, a lot to still be determined with that agreement, but it's going to be a five-year opportunity. And I look forward to working with you all and getting to know more of your members. So with that, I think it goes back to Clark. Yes. does. Thank you, Holly and JoLynn. If you'll please excuse me, I need to update my resume (laughs) for the opportunities here with the National Park Service. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We gave you the background. Now you can give us your current current (laughs) activities, which are many with the parks. Oh, that's... Again, thank you so much for having me here, JoLynn. My introduction to the work that ACB is doing with UNED, as I said, was at Harper's Ferry, 
being introduced to the project along with ACB staff and members, and then also being a part of UniD6, focusing on parks, monuments, and memorials around Washington, D.C. Some of the things that I love about UniD is that it puts so much information, accessible information at your fingertips. So you can learn about where you would like to visit even before you go. You know, as we're all sitting here talking about the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, it's great to have accessible information at our fingertips and available to let us know what's out there. You know, why are we going to get up and get moving besides our personal health and wellness? But what are we going to be able to experience? The second thing that I was really struck by with UniD is the collaboration between ACB members and park staff and really being able to be a part of the creative process, but also witness the growth of understanding by the park staff. So you're sitting there working with the park staff, developing the descriptions. And at some point in that process, there just seems to be an aha moment of what makes good description. Of course, it doesn't all come at once and it doesn't happen you know, linearly. But I really like to think that at the end of this process, the Park Service participants from all over the country are going back to their local parks and not only sharing with park staff and volunteers what they learned, but also putting it into practice. Um, understanding that when they're there in the park, in the visitor center or a museum, being able to use the descriptive language and tips and tricks that they learn from UniD to enhance the experience of all park attendees. I am a big fan of the national parks. In addition to exploring what is out there through UniD, I always check before I go to a new national park to see if it's available. And if it is, I give feedback to JoLynn, Brett, and Michelle. And if it's not, I provide that feedback as well. But I also go to the national parks and use the new NPS mobile app, which is a great spot, an accessible spot to see what else is accessible at the park. Also, the staff and volunteers. Uh, a recent experience I had at the Wright Brothers Memorial in Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina. One of the things my family first noticed were the tactile maps, just four panels indicating the trajectory, the distance, date and time and pilot for the Wright brothers' first four flights. And it was while, you know, hands-on experiencing those panels that a volunteer at the front desk made me aware of the audio description and audio tour available at this park center. It made available all the exhibits. It was geofenced. So not only would it provide directions from one panel to the next, it would tell you what the written panels were, describe any illustrations, videos, pictures, as well as experiential and tactile exhibits. So that was also a great experience. I can't recommend enough to folks as we are launching our Get Up and Get Moving campaign. And, and I, uh, I'll say this loud enough so he can hear me through the wall here, Tony Stevens, who's he heading this campaign for us. 
when we get to Omaha in 2022, uh, Holly, we will be in touch with, with you and your office to pull together some great programming and events around the Get Up and Get Moving campaign in person there in Omaha. Uh, the National Parks is a great reason for all of us to get up and get moving. In addition to having accessible information and accessible exhibits with tactile exhibits and audio description, contact the National Park Service, whether in person at the parks or on their website. Get an access pass, or as I call it, the golden ticket, because it's free and it unlocks all the treasures of our national parks. So I just can't say it enough. Get out in that fresh air. Get up and get moving. Thank you so much to the National Park Service and the University of Hawaii and Google for this great collaboration. And as I wrap up here, uh, Michelle, I'm going to kick it over to you with a question. You're certainly in, in my experience, there's more than one way to experience our national parks as well as experience the parks with audio description. There's audio description available in the NPS smartphone app. And there's description available at the parks. How does UniD either complement or enhance the work that the National Park Service is doing for accessibility on the whole? Thanks for that, Clark. Yeah, it's a great question, and um, and um, I I am so with you on on everyone getting a pass. Before I answer that question, go out there and get your pass. Go out and tick out, you know, tick off all the parks that you've been to. Um, it's it's a great way to plan vacations. There's a park in every single state and many parks in, in some states. Um, but I think with regards to UniD and, and the other activities that are happening in the park service around programming and audio description, I think that there's just been this great synergy that UniD um, and other projects we're working on in the National Park Service uh, have well started years ago and continue. So I don't think that it's a coincidence that UniD started at the same time that our other mobile app development began, which um, is now resulted in the NPS app, Clark, that you were talking about. It's no coincidence that that app also includes opportunities for parks to create description for uh, landscapes, of, um, points of interest as you're walking along a trail, waysides. That's all possible. And I think Unity has shown how that can be done. Um, the interface of the National Park Service Audio Description Tour app, which is a relatively new app, um, that's um, just hit the, um, the app store, modeled the interface of the UniD app. So, you know, we tested that interface. Well, Brett, and I should say his software developer, tested that interface to make sure it was very easy and usable. And so the audio description tour app for indoor exhibitions in the National Park Service has, has used um, that same approach. Um, and of course, all the learning and collaboration within our description, descriptathon workshops spill over 
Holly's partner at the region who um, is participating in planning was a co-captain on one of the teams last year um, with um, Kim Charleston and um, she or Kim Charleston was part of his team and I know that he got great feedback from Kim, as well as from the larger ACB participants in that descriptathon. And, you know, when he advises and guides park staff in his region, he's taking all of that experience and learning with him. Um, so I really believe that UniD is just this grounding force, and it's a beacon for all the work that we do related to audio description and other accessibility strategies that we promote and explore, such as tap models and maps. And I think what makes the UniD beacon so bright is this concept that you all are part of the team, that you are our collaborators and our guides that we learn with and from as we grapple with the best approaches to ensuring effective communication. Um, you know, admittedly, we won't get everything right, but I personally feel indebted to the UniD process as an example of how to do this work and reset the course when we stray. So that's my answer about UniD and how it impacts, uh, impacts other projects in the park service. I'm going to pass it back to Jo Lynn. Thank you. Um, we can't thank all of you enough for your individual portions of of this presentation. There's so much to take in from the technical aspects and the potential of the research project to Michelle's vision for what parks can be and for Holly, who's really boots on the ground in some ways, you're being the most directly connected. And um, before we open up the session to questions from the audience, I, I'd like to ask Holly, what you would most like to learn if from visitors to the park, what are the kinds of questions you appreciate the most? And what would you like people to ask you or park staff? What are some of those burning things that you'd like to know about visitors who are interested in increased accessibility? We chatted a little bit when we were planning about the kinds of things you wanna know or the questions that, um, you might expect, but what would be the most valuable question someone could ask you? I guess safety comes to mind um, at the top. Um, and so um, like when you're trying to plan your trip and you're trying to collect information, um, safety would definitely be the number one thing that comes to mind for me. Um, and and are we doing a good job communicating that to the public? Um, what does the public need to know? Um, what do they need to know in order to plan their trip to be prepared? And are we doing a good enough job? Um, are there any surprises when they come to our park that, you know, we didn't do a good enough job communicating? I know we're, we're looking forward to planning activities with the Park Service in Omaha. And so throughout the next year, I imagine there will be lots of questions asked. And, and I hope that our members will give feedback you know, as we go forward in, in planning, because there's so, so many things that we can do together. But we do have, I'm looking at the clock, we do have time for questions, folks, and I hope that there are many, I hope this has provoked a lot of thought in our, in our listeners, and 
those who are with us. So if I can ask our Zoom host um, how we go about that, and I think it's raised hands tonight, but I hope and, we see lots of raised hands. Clark? And JoLynn, as we uh, turn to questions from the audience, in addition to folks sharing their name, please share with us your favorite park before good asking your question. Great. Sounds good. Okay. We do have raised hands. So let us start with Debbie Armstrong. Yeah. Is it appropriate for me to share uh, my comments about how fun it was to be embedded on a team? I think this is Michelle. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so I am a blind person and I was embedded twice on a description team with all sighted people. And the thing about it that I loved was that I was a full participant. So last time we had we were describing a park in Indiana and everyone was snowed in. So people were working from home. The sighted people were on telephones, they were on iPads, and it was very difficult for them to type in their descriptions. So I said, well, here I am in California. And I forgot to say that's where I am in California. And I was on Zoom. So what I did is I I shared my screen and I helped write and draft and type up all the descriptions with all the sighted people watching me and come and collaborating, coming up with their comments. And I felt like such a leader because I was a full participant in this description process. And of course, we collaborate on a website where everybody is working together and can see what each other is doing. It was fully accessible. And I can't tell you, I don't work with collaboration teams at work in such a smooth, productive, and exciting way. Thank you. I'm going to go back on mute. Debbie, what's your favorite park? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I don't even know if it's a national park. Yosemite, I've backpacked there. I backpacked there 10 days once. Oh, my golly. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Thank we you, have Debbie. Wesley. Go ahead. Yes. I want to know this audio description. I mean, how this is going to be used? Are you going to put them in like little boxes that you're going to mount in the park, like along the trails for the features you're going to describe and you and the park patrons push a button on the box that causes the description to play or or what are they going to strictly be in like theaters where like a video is being shown? You know, how are these descriptions going to be used in the park? So I could take that question. This is Michelle at the Harper's Ferry Center. Um, sort of all of the above, right? Okay. And that's why I think um, Clark had um, mentioned this, you know, planning your visit. Um, there are a couple of tips I'd like to just offer. First of all, if you're interested in visiting a national park, I would definitely encourage you to um, look at the UniD app because we have 139 brochures on that app already described. And those are the brochures, you know, that, that we're working on that you get handed um, when you go to a park. So you can use those brochures to plan your trip in advance. Um, you can use that brochure while you're at the park. Once the information is downloaded, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, but once the information is downloaded onto your app, you you do not need to have um, service there. Is that right, Brett? That is right. You just have to open it, the internet connected, and then it takes a little bit of time for it to download the MP3 files. But once they're on your phone, you can go into the canyons of whatever park you want and still listen to the descriptions. So it's nice that way. Yeah, 
And then the other delivery systems that you mentioned are also available, um, but it depends on the park. Uh, we're a big system and we, we each park does what works for that park for a number of reasons. So um, I would also encourage people when they're planning their visit to check the website of that park. There is an accessibility link. I am going to admit that not all parks are consistent about the information that they post on their website. And sometimes they forget to post their audio description or other kinds of information. Braille brochures. If there are people who read, um, who use Braille, um, there's, uh, you should be able to request a Braille copy when you go to your park um, that you could take with you as well. Um, in addition, we have the audio description tour app for exhibits inside visitor centers um, that we're building up our body of audio description exhibits. But some visitor centers um, have um, equipment that they hand out to people um, for exhibition audio description tours. And then um, our movies in um, visitor centers also provide audio description assistive listening, and captioning for people who are hard of hearing. Um, those are services to inquire about uh, either um, when you're at the park or I would encourage people to call in advance. So, and, and sometimes we have audio description, as you also described, where you are on a trail and you push a button for a, um, a panel um, that's solar powered that provides audio description as well. And okay. th this is Clark. So many of the audio tours available this week for the ACB conference and convention are of our national parks. So that's a great way to whet your appetite. I know on Friday, I tuned in to the session with ACB families and Mammoth Caves from Kentucky, and their audio tour is also available on their website. And Michelle, I loved how you mentioned to make a plan. You know, we told people to make a plan last year when planning around uh, getting tested or vaccinated for the pandemic. We talked about making a plan for how you would vote in the fall, whether in person or remote, and ensuring you have enough time to do it. But planning a vacation, visiting national parks, it's also a perfectly acceptable time and, and strongly encouraged to make a plan, identify not only transportation, safety, but also what's there and what's accessible. And if you're not finding it on the website, you can always give the parks a call as well. Okay, thank you, Clark. I think we could start with Brett though. So Brett, if folks want to get involved with the Descriptathon, what information can you share about that? We have a couple of ways to get involved. The Descriptathon is a three-day intensive workshop. So that is a it's a um, significant commitment of time, but that's when we get, um, we connect you with a park team and you co-create description for an entire brochure. And you have, we have this whole experience of um, doing the workshop. That's one way. Our next question is from Linda. So Linda, you're on muted. Please go ahead. Hi, I have to admit, I haven't been to any parks, uh, partly because of transportation and partly because of lack of somebody to go with. However, I am interested in the audio description, um, you know, feedback part. And, you know, I was intrigued when I listened to those videos because I had comments about one of them in particular that 
I found it hard to hear over the white noise. Uh, I think it was the last one that they did. But I mean, my question is, when people get involved in commenting about audio description, do, do you qualify, you know, have groups of people like people of different ages, people that might be hearing and visually impaired like myself, yada, yada, um, so that you could get different kinds of feedback from different people on the audio description? Yeah, thanks for your question, Linda. Yes, yes, we do. We have a couple different ways of providing that feedback, and then the feedback goes directly to the creators of the description so they can, uh, they can adjust based on the feedback. The first way is the descriptathon, and it's the biggest commitment, but it's um, also, you know, the most impactful part of it, I guess, would be where you join a team and for three days uh, help co-create the description for a brochure that's then released to the public. And the next one's coming up October 26th to 28th. So if you're interested in that, anybody on the line is interested, just contact me through ACB or send me an email. And then the second way, and this is a new thing, and this is uh, important to spread the word on this. If the um, descriptathon maybe is, uh, you know, more than you can commit to at this time, we do have a new tool that we're developing that will allow you to give feedback directly on descriptions in a modular way. So you can listen to one description or you can listen to a whole bunch of descriptions and give feedback on those. And those, again, will go directly to the creators of the description. So there's a lot of ways to get involved. And if you or anyone else on this session want to do that, I'd be happy to help you get involved. Okay. And and it's going to be done at home on a computer. And this is Clark. Holly, can you share from the boots on the ground perspective what you all do when you receive feedback on descriptions or audio descriptions from consumers? Sure. So each park um, has a park accessibility coordinator and they're the ones who kind of coordinate those communications. I know some parks have, um, they call it like a concierge service that you, you know, and it's posted on their accessibility page that you could reach out to that person and provide the feedback. And um, those park accessibility coordinators are really our leaders on the ground to take that feedback to their leadership and um, and, you know, to get the interpretation division involved or to get the facility division involved. And we're here to listen. So so please communicate with your parks, reach out, um, find those accessibility web pages. And, um, and if the information's not there, please reach out with a phone call, um, you know, uh, and then each um, region has a regional accessibility coordinator too. And so if you don't feel like you're being heard, you can elevate it to the different regions. Okay, our next question is from Pat Sheehan. Thank you very much. First, I want to congratulate this panel. This has been an awesome panel. I got some of the, my favorite people on this. The work that's being done by the Park Service is just extraordinary. I also wanted to point out how good the Unity website is from a research standpoint. There's a lot of good information there on on blindness from a bunch of different sources, and I find that extremely useful. I have used that uh, at my federal agency because I know the information is there, easy to find and accurate. Second thing that I have done is to use the descriptions that you guys have done on maps, portraits, and collages 
as an example to people in my agency, Department of Veterans Affairs, as to how to do the job correctly. The quality of writing that is done there, the care that's taken, uh, and the pride in the work is just extraordinary. So it really raises the bar quite a bit. And then the third thing I would say is that for those folks that are either listening or uh, and want to get involved with Unity, it is a terrific experience. You learn a lot. It's a fast-paced three-day exercise. It is the uh, Super Bowl of uh, audio description from, from lots of points of view. But it is well worth it. You learn a lot. You get to appreciate uh, what's out there. And certainly, Clark, I agree, national parks are a good place to go, particularly on the health and wellness end of things. Uh, Shenandoah, I think, is the closest park that I have been to that is probably on the list. So excellent work that's being done here. I appreciate all the work that's being done, and thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. Michelle, another question for you. So Pat mentioned how he's able to use the descriptions provided by UNID to help educate and train the employees at his federal agency. Is, do you think there'd be a benefit to everyone in the park service taking the Unity training, especially those who are providing the audio description in other contexts? A resounding yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I mean, part of the, and I think Brett mentioned this, part of the Unity experience and learning is, we hope, going to be applied and I think can be applied to other brochures that parks have because they have their official park brochures, but sometimes they make little rack cards about the plants that can be found um, on a trail as an example. Um, It just, it makes park staff better at description. And, and, you know, when it comes to universal design, um, we found that park staff gets really excited about how they just can incorporate description into their talks and tours. Um, because, you know, sometimes when you're so familiar with a resource, you forget to add basic details that people might want. So to note that you're walking over a, um, a bridge with a stone foundation is something that even sighted people might not be thinking about. To note that you're standing in front of a historic house that is um, wood framed with um, wood siding is something that, you know, we forget to mention. But again, people may, who are just looking at it, who are sighted, might not be seeing it. So audio description isn't just for uh, people who are blind or have low vision. It's for everyone. It's about visual literacy. And I think people learn that more and more as they um, learn more about description. Okay. We have four hands and five minutes. So I don't know if we're going to get to everybody, but Les, go ahead, please. Uh, First, I want to express my sincere thanks to everybody on the panel for providing us with such an inclusive experience. Uh, I think my question has largely been answered But as luck would have it, we are going to Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks in September. And in addition to the information you've already provided, would you recommend uh, that I contact anyone in particular at either of these parks? Thank you. 
Yeah, so I would start first. Uh, this is Michelle. I would start first by looking on their websites, and under the plan your visit section, there is a um, accessibility link, and um, that link will provide you with some basic information, sometimes detailed information. At one point, the Grand Canyon did have an accessibility guide that you could download. Um, so um, definitely start there if you feel like the information is too general i would call the park um, their visitor center staff at the interpretive desk um, will answer that call and i would ask um, you know tell them that when you're coming to the park uh, tell them what services you're interested in that you you um you know, um, are blind or have low vision, you're interested in audio description um, for tours, for exhibits, for the, for any movies they have. Um, ask them what kinds of um, materials they have. Um, now, sometimes there's a seasonal person who answers the phone or a volunteer who's new. So if they're um, not sure, ask to speak to um, the chief of interpretation or, or, or another ranger who might be able to help, help you. So those are the places I would start. And I would absolutely um, do that in advance. If I may, this is Holly. I would uh, um, add, I definitely agree with Michelle to reach out with the park first, but um, if you are not successful in getting the information you need, our National Accessibility Program has an email. Um, so it's accessibility at nps.gov. If you don't feel like you're getting the information you need, you can reach out to them. And I've had them reach out to me as the region, you know, and then I can reach out to the parks and try to encourage them to get you the information you need. And Holly, that was accessibility at nps.gov. Correct. What a great resource. Thank you. And we will have these resources on the convention website in probably 24 hours. There will be resource material up up there for you, including contact information. Mm -hmm. um, Andrea, do we have time for uh, one more? I want to make That's sure- That's up that to we, you. We, can, we, have, we have a little bit of- um, I One like more a little bit of time. Code. One more, and then okay. we need to give you some information. So Area code 201, I believe you are muted, unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, thank you. Really quick, I would love it if we could have information as to where a guide dog would be good to go and not to go. I love Tetons and Yellowstone. I love the animals. But now that I have a guide dog and we were had a mountain lion behind us in the dark in the Griffin Memorial Observatory, which is not a national park, but in the Canyonlands there. So, um, and we didn't know and nobody wanted to tell us, give information that there was a mountain lion in the area. So I would love it if we could have information in all the, in the national parks and state parks. Thank you. Great. Before we close, I, I just want to say thank you again to Michelle, to Holly, to Brett, to Clark, and to our audience for providing such great questions and follow-up. I know that I learned a lot from all the panelists, but I also learned a lot from you. And um, this is a great opportunity to share back and forth and continue the conversation. So please reach out and um, if you are interested in learning more um, about description, the audio description project uh, in combination with the Multicultural Affairs Committee is hosting um, a session tomorrow from four to 515 
on diversity and description, describing race, skin color, ethnicity, gender, and disability in contemporary audio description. And that will be on ACB Media Channel 5. So you can tune into that. For those needing CEU number, it is for the closing number, it's 28875. The CEU number is 28875. And if you'd like to learn more about the Audio Description Project, the address is adp.acb.org. And um, for more about ACB, it's or the convention still, it's acb.convention.org. But aloha to Brett and everyone. And thank you again. Thank you, Clark. And uh, it's been a privilege. Thank you all for the privilege of hosting. Thank you, JoLynn. Thank you. Take care now. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. Aloha.